This podcast is available in video form on our YouTube channel at Moto Outsider. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the official first video of Moto Outsider, where we are going to recap the San Diego Supercross race, both 450 and 250. I got my main man, Chris Baird here. Dude, how are you? I'm good, man. What's going on today? Dude. Well, one, sweating because it's hot down here in Florida today. How's everything up in Delaware, man? Uh, it's been raining all day. It's cold. And I wish I was in Florida sweating because I'd rather be warm than cold. I need to be. Well, my dude, you you are about to be in Florida because we're going to the Tampa Supercross race. And as we mentioned in the last video, if you guys are going to be in the Tampa Supercross race, please come on out. Say hi to us. We want to meet you guys, get to know you guys, get you involved. But also, too, um, it'll be sick just to see this grow and take off. So the more you guys can come out, hang out with us, we appreciate it. And um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. But as always, Chris Baird is the Supercross and Motocross savant. Um, <laughs> so how this format is gonna work going forward, and what you can expect in future videos, is I'm going to pretty much give my thoughts and opinions and ask Chris questions. We're gonna ping pong back and forth. We definitely disagree on some things, but also agree on some things. So we want to make this a healthy discussion, but also at the same time. We don't agree on everything, so it is what it is. And one thing that I know about Chris is that he is uh, pretty opinionated, so y'all are going to see that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but uh, I'm more fair than anything, so I'm just going to let you know what I think, and I'll give you a reason why. I'm not just going to spit out some random BS. Justin Barsha cool. has so, a history. We're going to get into that. <laughs> Bam Bam is he a does, because, I, because I've, got my, I've got my opinions on Justin Barsha from a more business perspective, and I know you look at it from more of like a racing holistic feel. So you can expect Chris to give you the more real race-ready type answers. And I like to look at things through more of a business long-term lens. So that's why I think we're going to be a good, a good mix for this. But, dude, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Do you want to start 250s or 450 main? Let's just get the 250s out of the way because, I mean, honestly, not too much happened. And it wasn't super exciting, but we got to at least cover it, right? Yep. So let's talk about how boring the 250s is because <laughs> Jet Lawrence is going to win everything. And that just is what it is. Unfortunately, I do. Agree. I kind of agree with you. Uh, Austin Forkner's yep. departure from Anaheim one, I think, kind of ruined any chance we had at Jet losing a race. If I'm being honest with you, one hundred, one hundred percent. I don't think I don't think RJ has the speed. He finished like three or almost four seconds off of Jet speed um, to round out the main. So it's like, dude, the two fifty is going to be boring. I think a lot of people agree with that, but I mean, it just is what it is. Absolutely, and uh, you know, it, it is possible that we do get another winner. Uh, last year in Indianapolis, uh, McAdoo was racing with Jet. Uh, they both right. race each other, and Cameron straight up passed him and beat him heads up. So it's not impossible, but Jet is, he's just on it, you know. He's back-to-back champions possibly this year. He's coming into this thing with a head of steam, and I, I don't see anyone beating him, unfortunately. So, I mean, quite honestly, is it maybe the top five? Is This can transfer into any racing segment, but, dude, yeah. you have Lawrence, Hampshire, McAdoo, Lopes, and Brown. I don't yeah. see anybody out of the top five that could truly hang with any of those boys, unless I'm wrong. What do you think? Um, I think that you, you're definitely right. Uh, I think RJ has obviously a history of crashing, and I think he's trying to play yeah. it safe these first couple rounds because, God forbid, Jet did get hurt. He's the guy. you know. He's second in points right now. Um, Cameron, so There is a team strategy to it, right? There is, absolutely. And you know, Cameron's been dealing with some injuries. Uh, last year wasn't great for him. Um, obviously, we saw him fold over that bridge at Daytona. What was that, 2020, I believe? Yeah, <laughs> or 2021 so, so we don't want to see that happen again but it's going to be hard for someone to really step up to the pace because jet jet went out last night and raced i believe at 80 percent mm-hmm. and cameron yep. was catching up and he kind of yeah. picked it up a little bit i mean what do you think about so that? so here's my here's my thoughts on this number one i'm not a fan of alpine star gear 
but <laughs> the Alpine Star gear from that race looked damn good. All right. All um, right. But but number two, man, I think without a question, I think we know how the top three is going to shake out. So that is, is what it is. I think you are going to see more fun in the 250s and the LCQs than you will in the main events because we know what's going to happen in the main events. I mean, what do you think about that? No, absolutely. It's going to be nothing but carnage in the LCQs. Uh, these guys yeah, are going to be fun. fighting for. It's way more fun. These guys are going to be fighting for spots, yeah. and there's more spots than ever, I believe, on the West Coast. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind yeah. of scroll through the list here. Mostly privateers, you know. Uh, I was really mm-hmm. impressed with Wilson Todd. He went down unfortunately, but you know, Dylan Walsh broke into the top ten for a while. He's someone who could really yep. step up and get in that top ten. Derek Kelly ran ninth. He's on the AEO KTM, I believe, but. For him to be in there every week, I think that's going to be really cool to see. There's just a lot of opportunities for guys to jump in this top 10 spot. I think so, too. And I forgot what it was for, was it Anaheim, where Jet posted the fastest lap period, where it was like a sub one-minute lap? Was that one of the Anaheim races? I believe so, yeah. Jet was flying. Yeah. So I think I think it all just comes down to that. We're in, we're in the era of domination for Jet Lawrence. So, dude, to wrap this up for the 250s, here are my thoughts. What do you think about this with... Do you think Jet will be a 450 flop? Meaning, do you think he's going to dominate in the 250s like he has been, undeniably, like greatness on a 250? Does he have what it takes to run in the 450s at the top, I would say, let's say inside the top eight? I do. I truly do. I know that mm-hmm. the outdoors is different than the indoors, but he straight up passed yep. Chase Sexton at the Motocross Nations at Redbud. Really impressive feat, considering he's only been, you know, a few weeks on the 450 at that point, and Chase rode it all yep. summer against Eli. So, if I'm in a 450 class right now, I'm a little bit nervous about next year because Jet's supposedly moving up this summer to the 450. We're gonna okay. get a, a taste of that sooner than we think, honestly. All right, so dude, we're gonna shift to the 450s because now I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with Tomac, right? So what we is are it in. Going on? I mean, he's killing. Well, right, so he is. But so hear me out. You remember the era of Ryan Villapoto, yep. the era of Dungey, yep. and then you're with Tomac now. I feel like Tomac is going to be much more of a legacy rider. And what I mean by that is we're talking to the likes of like RC, um, what's his name, Jeremy McGrath. I think he's going to have that level stats to him. It's I, I get a different feel from watching Tomac ride and race and win and how he carries himself rather than those other guys did. So like I said, I think it's the era of Jet Lawrence, era, but then you have the legacy of Tomac. What do you think about that? I agree with you. Um, you know, some say uh, Jet is generational talent, <laughs> which I mean, you know, yeah. Hunter's great, but he's blown Hunter out of the water when it comes to race wins yeah, and just being consistent. There's no comparison. There isn't. Right. And... Eli Tomac has been in this class, I think this is his 10th season, he said. And he's about to pass Ricky Carmichael for the all-time Supercross wins, which, mind-blown. You know, you grew up watching yep. Ricky Carmichael, so dominant. In my opinion, yeah. Eli has had a more diverse and more difficult field to race against. He was racing James Stewart. He was racing these guys. He raced Dungey. He raced Filippoto. Yep. I think it's amazing what Eli has done, and I really do think that he, like you said, he's going to be a legacy racer. You're going to know him for the crazy rides he had and all these different events that he was just 10 times better than anyone else. And if, and now here comes the business hat that I'm putting on, because if you listen to the interview that he did with his dad, John Tomac about why they left Cowie to go to Yamaha. And now you see that coming to fruition with Yamaha. Yep. It's, it's interesting because there's almost an aura 
around that team and him on that bike, the Yamaha bike. Yeah. It's as if it's it's effortless. There's a good vibe. I feel like there is no there is no business athlete relationship. It is strictly we are all on the same team. We are one cohesive unit. Yep. And that's why I think Tomac's rides are so damn dominant where a lot of these other guys are just stuck with the rider team relationship. I don't know. That's just my opinion, though. No, I think you're right. Uh, they're, they're all one. They all want to win. And it's just little things you look at. You know, Eli Tomac, the, the team runs you know, pro taper bars and everything, but he runs mm-hmm. Renthal grips because that's what he likes, and the team lets him do what he needs to succeed. Little things Both. like that just show their you know, domination. It shows how bad they want to win. Well, right, exactly. And the fact that they're willing to make those sacrifices, regardless of what sponsorships are and everything, and invest in their rider means a shit ton. So, dude, let's go to let's go to the the main event results and then we'll just pick you know we'll we'll ping pong on some things that happened in the uh happened in the in the heat races. I want to talk about my guy Malcolm Stewart because Oof, I love team. Malcolm Stewart. I love Malcolm Stewart for so many reasons. But dude, raced the hell out of that 250 uh, I mean the 450 heat race uh that he won. Dude looked dude looked sick. That was and then crazy. the wheels fall off in the main event. So, what do you got? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, he took a pretty nasty crash on probably the first or second lap right in the whoops. He fell very similar to how Chase Sexton fell. I kind of look right. at the KTM Husqvarna gas gas platform, wonder if he's got that bike set up how he likes because there's a lot of rumors that Christian Craig is not happy with his bike. Their teammates, I'm guessing they're struggling to find some things. Maybe they don't have the setup that Cooper Webb has because I don't know about you, but I thought Cooper Webb looked better in the whoops than Eli Tomac did almost all night. Not so so I think... But- yeah, yeah, I think the I think Cooper has the body type of of what a four fifty like what a professional motocross supercross rider should be, dude. Short, stout, and fast as shit, right? Malcolm has a lot more leverage over the bike because he's not five two or five four, yeah. so he has that kind of that muscly edge to him. But I think just based off Cooper Webb's size, he flows much better with the bike. But I know it's you know people could probably cut that apart but i just think physicality wise malcolm might have a little bit tougher time on a bike because i you're bigger than me but i struggled on i struggled on bikes due to my size i felt i was it felt always felt uncomfortable but it's just a different story and maybe there is something to that you know being like maybe a certain height and then being like super tall super short Mm -hmm. maybe being in the middle that's a little difficult and that's something that is possible i think it is hard for malcolm at times it's harder to move around on the bike being so big and yes. I just don't know how many more of these crashes he can take because for the second week in a row, he went over the bars in a rhythm section. He got up and yeah. kept riding, but I just don't see his season being successful if he can't keep it on two wheels and stop making these stupid little mistakes. For sure. No, I, I agree with you. That's why it'll be interesting to see when they get the, when you dust the cobwebs off. So we're coming into the, you know, to the latter part of the season. We'll have to see how things shake out because it is still kind of new. People, are, I feel like everyone's still kind of getting back into the groove of Supercross. I feel like next race will be the delineator where it's like, all right, dude, you got to figure it out. So we'll Absolutely. see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But dude, let's let's scoot right to the top. Let's talk about let's talk about Justin Barsha and and Ken Roxon and how things played out with Chase Sexton too because that was a fun battle to watch. So uh, we differ we differ here on Justin Barsha. And again, I'm putting my business hat on here, guys. Don't shoot me. But Supercross would be extremely boring, motocross probably, if Justin Barsha was not in the game. And here's what I mean. As much as you don't want to maybe come to grips with this or realize this, the dude sells tickets because people like seeing people get smashed. Yeah. Like, I love, like, 
I'm a fan of good, clean, hard racing because there's you can't beat watching a fantastic battle. Um, like for for the 450 event with um, Dylan Ferrandis and uh, and Malcolm Stewart, yep. dude. In in that in that heat, dude, they were they were battling racing hard. Didn't clean each other out. It was good racing. No but man, in those mains, when money and points are on the line, dude, you got to get dirty. It is what it is. Why would you not want someone in bar in Barsha keeps riders on their toes. Why would you not want someone like that on the track? But that's those are my thoughts. No, I agree with you on that aspect of it. You know, it is very interesting. And, I mean, we're both from upstate New York. Barsha's from mm-hmm. downstate New York. But still, you know, we should probably be bigger Barsha fans than we are. <laughs> but yep. uh, I just, I don't know. I see, I see two different sides. I think that he could be the aggressive rider that he is without making the dirty passes that he makes. Again, he went right for Ken mm-hmm. Roxon's front tire as he's on the outside going over a double could have been bad he could have jumped off the track obviously it played out okay and uh, actually i was yeah. reading ken roxon's instagram post today uh he posted about the race and people were talking crap just saying that he's a little too conservative and scared of barsha but what he said was true he's very smart he was being smart with his decisions he could have went yep. for that third place but he probably wouldn't end up on the ground so it wasn't worth it for him it's his second race of the year on that suzuki i don't really agree with barsha's move especially on sexton but it's racing right that's who he is he's yep. bam bam yeah, that's racing. You got you got to you got to run with your brung, right? Um, and plus the history that him and Jason Anderson have as that shakes out into the rest of the season, going to be going to be interesting to watch as the points tighten up because they will. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, last year you saw uh, Barsha take Anderson out at round one. Barsha went online and said, "Hey, I bought some Team Fried merch and everything's cool." They kind of understood. Yeah, I don't think they're on the same page anymore. Mm. We'll see. We will see. Like I said. Tomac won. It, 450 shook out. Tomac, Webb, Barsha. Yeah. If you watch the press conference at the end, it's all love. It's all boring, too. They ask the same old boring questions. But, dude, As always. do you think Tomac is going to check out every single race and just dominate like what we saw from Dungey before his departure? Just whole shot, main win, that's it. Everything that happens in the middle is much more exciting. What do you think? Going into the season, I did not think that was going to happen. As you know, people come into the season on a new bike, a new platform. Very difficult to... Yep get back to speed and we saw that with cooper webb last year cooper webb was not the same guy that won the championships in 2019 2021 totally different cooper uh i do think it's going to be interesting to see if anyone can keep up with him uh cooper was on another level last night i think with one good mistake he could have caught and passed eli but eli's gelling with that new bike and i don't know about you give me your opinion on this i think the field is kind of set in stone i think eli and cooper are the guys this year i don't think anyone else is going to get in their way when the championship comes to an end Dude, as much as it pains me to say this, I am not a Jason Anderson fan, yeah. but I love how he rides when he's up towards the top, like top three, top four. Yeah. And then we'll we'll round out the video with this, the recap with this. What is your thoughts on Ken Roxon in the future for Ken Roxon coming into this Supercross season, but outdoors, back on a Suzuki? Social media stuff looks good. Looks like he's got a good vibe with the with the bike. Give me your give me your closing arguments for Ken Roxon in this uh, the San Diego race. Yeah, I think Ken Roxon made huge strides. Uh, he said today that he kind of got in touch with Factory Connection to get the bike dialed in a little bit more. Stopped working with who the team mm-hmm. was working with. Uh, he's trying to make changes and make this bike comfortable for him. Similar to the bike he won the championship on in 2016, but totally different as far as uh, the motor and all the different parts and specs on the bike. They're not getting the same support from Japan. But I think that Ken is going to do everything he can to get comfortable. And I can see him being a, a threat for wins this summer. If he can keep making these little strides every week, getting good starts, being consistent and fighting, not giving up like yep. he did this weekend, 
I see no reason Ken Roxon can't win races this Supercross season and be a contender in outdoors, especially if Tomac's not there. Very good point. Guys, that is the that is the 250 and 450 recap for the San Diego Supercross race. Please drop your comments down below. What were your thoughts on the race? Highlights? What did we miss? And uh, of course, dude, welcome to our very first initial video. This was super fun, our first recap too. And we're going to have all these videos coming forward for all the races down the line. And then every race we can get to, we're bringing new content directly from there. But as always, my name is Matt. Got my man Chris Baird here. Chris, give him a sign off for us. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Don't forget to leave a like, leave a comment. Let us know how we did. Subscribe, please. Most people watch these videos and don't subscribe. <laughs> it doesn't cost you any money, and it just helps us grow. And we want to give back to you guys. We need to grow to do that. So, again, thanks for stopping by. Love you all. Yep. Oh, and show this with your friends, too, because (laughs) we're out here to change the game. We're bringing a different perspective. Show this with your friends. We would appreciate all the love. But, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. We will see you next week. Moto Outsider, out.